Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Good evening, and a very warm welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. If I haven't had the honor and the privilege of meeting you, uh, my name is Chris Jones. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am thrilled that you have joined us on this sacred Christmas Eve. Um, Christmas Eve does mark the conclusion of Advent. Um, Advent is that four-week season that ushers us into Christmas time, and as we come to the end of Advent, we also reach the pinnacle, the climax of our message series for this season entitled Christmas at the Movies. Uh, we saw the Mupper video just a few moments ago. Um, over the past month, our congregation here at Asbury has been delving into some of our favorite Christmas movies, some of our beloved holiday films, looking for links, connections between these movies and biblical teaching. Our inspiration behind this unique sermon series is rooted in the simple and yet profound truth that stories have a way, don't they? Stories have this remarkable, incredible way of communicating deep spiritual meaning. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus himself often used stories, parables, to illustrate profound teaching about God and God's kingdom. Well, folks, in the same way, we believe that the stories woven into these Christmas movies can function as modern-day parables, offering insights and connections to the themes of Advent— and what are the themes of Advent that we've been talking about over the past four weeks? Hope, peace, joy, love. So these films can offer insights and connections to the themes of Advent as well as the biblical essence of Christmas. Psalm 78 in the Old Testament, uh, penned by Asaph, reminds us of the pivotal role that stories play in helping us not only understand and grasp and articulate our faith, but also pass our faith on to the next generation to our children. Um, listen to these words from Asaph. This is Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. Asaph says this, for I will speak to you in a parable. In other words, for I will speak to you in a story. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and his mighty wonders. Um, thus far, we have gleaned biblical truths from four Christmas movies in this sermon series. Uh, we started with Miracle on 34th Street, and then we shifted to Home Alone, and then we looked at It's a Wonderful Life, and then earlier this morning, uh, Pastor Will preached a great message on how the Grinch stole Christmas. Well, tonight, this evening, we conclude our journey with none other than a Charlie Brown Christmas. How many of you have ever seen a Charlie Brown Christmas? Pretty much every hand is going up right now, based on the Phoenix comic strip by Charles Schultz. Since it debuted 58 years ago, on December 9, 1965, a Charlie Brown Christmas has captivated audiences of adults and children alike. 
In fact, it's one of those rare gems that speaks to people of all ages, all generations. When this movie was released, it became an immediate classic. It took home an Emmy and a Peabody Award. But what's even more remarkable, given its success, is that A Charlie Brown Christmas, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but A Charlie Brown Christmas almost never came to fruition. Let me give you the backstory. So in 1965, Coca-Cola, you probably never heard of Coca-Cola before, but in 1965, Coca-Cola was looking for a show to advertise its product during the Christmas season. Coca-Cola likes to do that today. They also wanted to do that back in 1965. And so Coca-Cola placed a phone call to this gentleman. His name was Bill Melendez. Bill Melendez. This is Bill Melendez up here on the screen. This is not Charles Schultz. I want to be clear about that. This is Bill Melendez. Bill Melendez was an animator at Warner Brothers Studio. He was a really good friend of Charles Schultz, and he also supplied the voice for Snoopy in Woodstock. That must have been a lot of fun. So Coca-Cola asked Bill Melendez if he and Mr. Schultz would be interested in doing a show featuring the characters. And Melendez said, of course, we would love to do that. And they said, great, have the outline to us by Monday. It was Wednesday when they called. Five days. So Melendez hangs up, immediately calls Charles Schultz, tells him what's going on. Charles Schultz was so incredibly gifted. He wrote the outline within a day. But then when he handed the outline over to the network, the producers didn't like it very much. In fact, they couldn't stand it. They almost refused to air it, but because CBS had already spent so much money and so much time promoting it, they felt as if their hands were tied. They had no other choice. They predicted that a Charlie Brown Christmas would be a train wreck, a complete disaster. They could not have been more wrong. When this show was released on December 9, 1965, 58 years ago, 45%, that's a huge number, 45% of those watching television tuned in. Almost 16 million people. And the rest, as they say, is what? History. But how does this movie... Charlie Brown Christmas, shed light on the real meaning of Christmas. What does this movie have to teach us about the miracle of Jesus' birth? I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> because in this sermon, we're going to look for the answer. Are you ready? All right. Well, the movie, like any good story, what does it start with? What does any good story start with? Conflict. A song? Makes sense coming from the choir. By the way, wasn't the music phenomenal tonight? Let's praise God. Well, this particular movie, this particular story doesn't start with a song, but it starts with a problem, an issue. What is it? Charlie Brown is sad at Christmas time. I realize that Charlie Brown was often sad, but he's especially sad at Christmas time, and he feels conflicted. He feels that he should be happy as he approaches this joyous holiday, but he can't hide his true emotions. So the first thing he does is he seeks professional help from a psychiatrist. <laughs> Do you remember her name? Lucy. Lucy. I don't think she went to medical school, but she only charges five cents. And even back in 1965, I understand that five cents is a lot less today than it was then, but even in 1965, I think that was probably a bargain. So she charges five cents, and uh, he gets the psychiatric help. Well, Let's see what kind of advice 
Lucy gives Charlie Brown. Take a look. Right now, what seems to be your trouble? I feel depressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. Well, as they say on TV, the mere fact that you realize you need help indicates that you are not too far gone. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have hypengeophobia. I don't think that's quite it. How about cats? If you're afraid of cats, you have aleurophasia. Well, sort of, but I'm not sure. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. This is fear of the ocean. Or chephorobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe you have pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything. That's it! Actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. Instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of let down. You need involvement. You need to get involved in some real Christmas project. How would you like to be the director of our Christmas play? Me? You want me to be the director of the Christmas play? Sure, Charlie Brown. We need a director. You need involvement. Charlie Brown comes to Lucy, and he confesses that he is sad at Christmas time. He's not feeling merry. He's not feeling jolly. He's not feeling bright. You don't have to raise your hand as I ask this question, but can anybody here relate? Maybe you've come to this service tonight, and you're trying your very best right now to put on a happy face, but inside you're struggling. You're hurting. In fact, maybe as I'm preaching this message right now, you are thinking of a loved one whom you lost maybe this year, maybe a few years ago, whom you're not going to be able to spend Christmas with. And that brings you a lot of sorrow. Or maybe you're calling to mind a job that you suddenly lost, a relationship that fell apart, a person that you're estranged from, a situation that has you afraid and overwhelmed, maybe a financial challenge that you're currently facing. I know we so often say it's the most wonderful time of the year, and you know what? That's true in a lot of ways. But the other truth is that for a lot of folks, Christmas can be the most painful time. It can be the most difficult time. And even though we might not express it, even though we might not verbalize it and say it out loud, there's a part of us that can't wait until this holiday is over. If that's the case, if that's where you find yourself this evening, here's what I want you to know. Are you listening? God sees you. God sees you. God is not aloof from your emotions. God is not distant from your pain. God sees the sorrow. God sees the hurt. He sees the struggle. And you know what? He loves you just the same. The good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you are free to be you. You are free to feel what you want to feel. If you want to feel happy and excited and joyous, great. But if you want to feel sad, that's okay too. You are free to feel what you want to feel and recognize that as you do, God has nothing but love and affection for you. I wish that Charlie Brown had received that sort of advice from Lucy, but instead when he came to Lucy and he opened up and he shared his problems, well, what did Lucy do? She beat him over the head with labels and suggestions. Well, Charlie Brown, you got to do something. You got to get involved. You got to do a project. 
Ironically, Lucy's advice steers Charlie Brown away from the meaning of Christmas because Christmas is not defined by our actions, is it? I know John Lennon once famously raised the question, and so this is Christmas, and what have you done? You ever heard of that song? All due respect to John Lennon, Christmas is not about what we have done. Christmas is about what Almighty God has done. God has taken the initiative. God has assumed the lead. God has seized control. God has drawn near to each of us in the person of Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem, to forgive us, to restore us, and to offer us salvation. Lucy's advice might not have been very good. But you know what? Let's give her credit because she put Charlie Brown on the path toward discovering the real meaning of Christmas. Because what happens next, as we heard in the clip, Charlie Brown becomes the director of the school Christmas play. And initially he is pumped up about this, he is excited, but then he quickly discovers that leadership isn't all that it's cracked up to be sometimes. Amen? Because the other kids at the school... They don't listen to him. They don't focus. They don't pay attention. He gets really frustrated. So while all the other kids are dancing around and goofing off, Charlie Brown goes with Linus to find a Christmas tree. Now, Charlie Brown has received clear instructions from Lucy. He needs to find the biggest, shiniest tree in the lot. However, he has something different in mind. Take a look. Charlie Brown strolls among a sea of loud, shiny, modern trees, but surprisingly, he doesn't choose any of them. Instead, he journeys to the most delicate tree of all. Can you all see this? In fact, it's so fragile that when he picks it up, some of the needles fall off. Now, Linus warns Charlie Brown that he's going to endure the wrath of Lucy, but Charlie Brown doesn't care. Instead, he picks up that tree, and do you know what he says? I think it needs me. I think it needs me. Charlie Brown had confessed that he was struggling to understand the meaning of Christmas, but I can't help but wonder if by picking up that tree, he was closer to the meaning of Christmas than just about anybody else. Think about this with me. Charlie Brown went to something that, on the surface at least, wasn't that impressive, wasn't that majestic, wasn't that grand, but he was drawn to it anyway. He was compelled to go to it. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Christmas is about God from all eternity, who made all there is, stars, planets, galaxies, all that we can see, all that we can't see. Christmas is about God from all eternity descending to a bunch of wayward human beings, lost in sin, entangled in brokenness of our own volition, our own choosing. 
stooping down, scooping us up, receiving us into the divine life and declaring to each and every one of us, you need me. You need me. You don't need me to be God confined to heaven. You don't need me to be God far away. You need me to be Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us, God with you. You need me to be God with you. You need me to be relational. You need me to be intimate. I don't need you, but you need me. And folks, it's true, isn't it? It's true that we need Jesus. It's true that I need Jesus. I don't know about you, but there are days when the world has me feeling like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Like no matter how hard I try, I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. But then God steps in. God intervenes. And God offers a competing narrative, a different narrative. God reminds me, and really all of us, through his love made manifest in Jesus, just how much we matter. Do we have any teachers here tonight? Can we praise God for teachers, by the way? Teachers are remarkable people. I heard a story about a fifth grade teacher who every year hosted for her class what she called the Scholastic Olympics. Doesn't that sound really exciting, the Scholastic Olympics? Basically, in a nutshell, she told the students in her class, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a famous line. Uh, it could be from a history book. It could be from a literary source. I want you to pick a famous line. I want you to name the author and the source and then explain to the class why this line could be considered the most important line ever. Well, you can imagine what some of the entries were each year. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men, all people are created equal. Who said that? Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence? Or how about this? Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought upon this continent a new nation. Abraham Lincoln, Gettysburg Address. To be or not to be, that is the question. Shakespeare, exactly, Hamlet. Do you know what line won the contest one year? It wasn't spoken by a famous person. It wasn't found in any history book. It wasn't found in any literary source. The line appeared on a postcard from Hawaii that one of the fifth grade girls received from her stepfather. Her stepfather had just gotten married to her mother, and the two of them were on a vacation in Hawaii when he sent this postcard to her. Now, first, the teacher was hesitant to include this entry because it was supposed to be about the most important line ever. Supposed to be from a famous person, a great source. But to that fifth grade girl, it was the most important line ever. She explained to the class and to her teacher that up until that point, she didn't know how her stepfather felt about her. But there on the back of the postcard, it was clear. There were just four words. Charlotte. I love you. Those four words meant everything to her. And Jesus, Almighty God, steps in and he declares, Barbara, I love you. Ty, I love you. Tamara, I love you. Renee, I love you. Chris, I love you. Art, I love you. 
You are my child. You belong to me. The Apostle John, my favorite writer of Scripture, uh, he was the disciple of Jesus. He had a profound understanding of the grasp of Jesus' coming. This is what he writes, or the power of Jesus' coming. This is what he writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read this together. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. We are God's children. Even on days when we don't feel that way, even on days when the world has this feeling or when we see ourselves like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Christmas confirms our royalty. Christmas confirms our worth. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, and nothing and no one could ever change that. Charlie Brown was actually pretty close to the meaning of Christmas after all. But the other kids didn't see that. The other kids didn't understand that because when Charlie Brown comes back to the school with that tree, well, all the other kids laugh at him and they call him names and they make fun of him. Charlie Brown can't take it anymore. He tells Linus, I don't know what I'm doing. And you know what? I don't even understand Christmas. Isn't there anyone here who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And so Linus tells Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about. Let's watch. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. This is the most iconic scene in the movie. But amazingly, it almost wasn't included. The producers at CBS were concerned that the use of an actual Bible passage would offend viewers and alienate them and put them off, and nobody would want to watch it. Charles Schultz, though, refused to budge. He said, if we won't do it, who will? And so in this clip, Linus recites from memory the story of the birth of our Savior, as found in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2. Now, something happens in this scene that a lot of people miss, that they overlook. In fact, I overlooked it for a long time until somebody pointed it out to me some years ago. Linus, who's famously attached to what? His blanket, his security blanket, who takes his blanket with him wherever he goes. Well, he does what? Drops the blanket 
as he tells the story of Jesus' birth. And he doesn't just drop the blanket when he tells the story of his birth. He drops it at a very precise and specific moment when he quotes the words of the angel to the shepherds. Fear not. And by doing this, Linus is reminding us of something really important, that with Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. With Jesus, we don't have to cling to anything. Jesus is our security. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our strength. Here's my question for you tonight. To what are you clinging to? Or to what are you clinging? What do you need to let go of so that you might embrace the promise of Christmas? Is it this sense of unworthiness? Is it this sense that you're not good enough, that you won't measure up? You know what? You can drop that. You can let go of that. And you can pick up the greatest gift of all, a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. You can embrace your primary identity as God's child, a son or daughter of the king. That's what Linus and every other character and Charlie Brown and every other character in this show come to realize because as notable as this scene is, to me it's not the most powerful scene in the movie. The most powerful scene in the movie instead is what happens after Linus recites that Bible passage. Charlie Brown takes that tree, he brings it home, and the whole gang follows. Let's see what happens next. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. What if this tree is meant to represent us? The before tree and the after tree. The world might not see us as all that impressive. Truthfully, there are times when we don't see ourselves as all that impressive. But in Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem, God intentionally chooses us. God intentionally comes after us. Just like Charlie Brown chooses that tree. And then what happens next as we open up our hearts to God, as we yield our lives to God, as we receive that amazing gift of love offered to us in Jesus? Well, God begins that process of shaping us and molding us and transforming us, making us into a thing of beauty, just like that after tree. Folks, God didn't have to come into this broken world. Jesus didn't have to be born. He did so for your sake and mine. Never question your worth. Never question your value. You mean as much to Almighty God as the act of sending His only Son. The cries of baby Jesus from a manger in Bethlehem are God's way of crying out, I love you. I'm committed to you. You're my child. You will forever be mine. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.